Hello, everyone, and welcome to Heads Up, the weekly webcast and podcast of the National Headache Foundation. I'm Dr. Lindsay Weitzel, migraine strategist, founder of the Facebook group Migraine Nation, and chronic daily migraine survivor. I'm super excited to say that I am here today with Dr. Brad Torpy. Dr. Torpy is the Managing Director of the Chicago Headache Center and Research Institute. He is also the Medical Director of the Headache Centers of America, which happens to be a telemedicine-only practice which covers over 20 states. Hello, Dr. Torpy. How are you doing today? Hello, Dr. Weitzel. Fine. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. So you are perfect for our topic today because today we are going to talk about telemedicine for people who have migraine and chronic headache. So I think everyone's going to find this very interesting because we're all starting to experience this ever since COVID. Uh, Many more of our doctors are talking to us via Zoom, et cetera, or online. And so uh, we all want to talk about how to do it right, whether we should do it. So let's go, go ahead and delve right into some questions. First, can you please describe to us what you see as the benefits of telemedicine for the patient? Well, Dr. Weitzel, I mean, the main benefit is really improved access to quality healthcare. I mean, we know that nearly 38 million Americans are living with migraine, and many of them don't have access to a headache specialist either in their community or within, say, a three, four-hour drive. So telemedicine really represents that opportunity to interact with someone who either has a a keen interest in headache and migraine or a certification. This is so true. We definitely have a shortage of headache specialists in our country. And I talk to people every day who maybe thought they saw a headache specialist and were maybe their feelings were hurt because they saw a neurologist who maybe just wasn't that interested in headache medicine, right? And so they felt a little dismissed or something like that. And now they can talk to someone who may not be right in their area, but is very interested in headache medicine. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Do you see any limitations to telemedicine? Yeah, I mean, certainly, Dr. Weitzel, I think one of the potential limitations, and I say potential because it looks like for the duration of 2021, this will not be a limitation, but I think in the future, there's a potential that insurance coverage may not well cover telemedicine visits like they do now. Uh, We know that organizations like the National Headache Foundation and other advocacy groups are petitioning our, our governmental leaders and certainly insurance companies to make sure that we continue this really much needed uh, way to deliver healthcare. I think that's a, a potential limitation. Now there are other limitations. I think clinically, I mean, there are certain parts of the examination that we simply cannot do via telemedicine. I mean, what comes to mind immediately is the, the ophthalmic exam where we check the, the pressure behind a person's eyes. Right. And you remember your, your healthcare provider takes the ophthalmoscope and takes a look at the eyes, but, but there are ways around it. I mean, there are workarounds. I mean, we have, uh, you know, maybe local ophthalmologists or local uh, primary care providers that uh, we could always refer patients to who could handle some of those tasks that may not have that sort of global approach to headache that that really people with migraine, uh, quite frankly, deserve. Well, I can tell you as someone who's had migraine, 
my entire life that I'm quite glad to not have someone shine a bright light in my eyeball when I have a migraine. So I would rather be on the other side of a computer screen than in the exam room. (laughs) (laughs) So if someone has never been seen before by a headache specialist in person, um, do they need to be seen in person first before they talk to you uh, on a telemedicine visit? Well, Dr. Weitzel, I'll say from the outset, this is going to be a bit of a controversial answer because I, I will have colleagues that disagree with me on this front. But mm-hmm. I know that in the case of, of headache specialists, certainly we're, we're trained to, to, to work with migraine patients. We're trained to uh, evaluate to make sure that you know something really urgent is not going on. But I would argue that most healthcare providers, certainly most most doctors, are, are very good at ruling out the really dangerous things, ruling out stroke, ruling out an aneurysm. And, and certainly those are very, very important. And we have to make sure that those vitally important things are not missed. But I also think it, you know, in working with thousands of migraine patients, I think sometimes that's a that's a that's a, a, a a complaint of migraine patients is that the doctor rules out the really scary things and then they're left with, you have migraine, you know, good luck, we'll see you later. And that's where I think a headache specialist can really come into play. So while I think it is certainly important that a, that a person, if they have a new headache or, you know, the worst headache of his or her life, yes, they need to get urgent intervention, but that's not even necessarily at the doctor's office. That's at the emergency department. So I think that, um, that, that, when we look at what we can offer with telemedicine, I think the uh, the benefits outweigh the risks. But I would definitely say if there's an urgent issue, something new, worst headache of a person's life, well, then certainly that's not going to be in telemedicine. But I would also argue, even in my clinical practice, if I'm in the office and someone two miles away calls and says, Dr. Torpy, I'm having the worst headache of my life, or I'm having weakness of my arm, and this is new, I'm not going to say come to my office. I'm going to say get to the emergency God, room emergency. where they can evaluate All right. So can you describe to us the ideal telemedicine headache patient? Yeah, I mean, I hate to make a joke, but someone with a really good internet connection. Right. (laughs) That's my ideal um, person to be on the webcast, too, so I can understand that. Yeah, no, I I can certainly appreciate over the last year and and, uh, some change doing a lot of telemedicine that certainly there are varying uh, degrees of internet connection. But the truth is someone who is open to, you know, a different approach. I mean, we've, you know, COVID has has certainly, you know, caused so much much heartache in our country, but it has also forced us to kind of reimagine the way many parts of our lives are conducted including healthcare. And I think that certain disciplines of healthcare are better suited to telemedicine than others. Mm-hmm. But I would argue that migraine care is, is up toward the top of, um, of the, the disciplines of medicines, which really can be conducted in a, in a meaningful way via telemedicine. That is a very good point. Um, could you describe to me a patient who is not a good candidate? for telemedicine when it comes to your specialty? Yeah, I, I think that that someone who's probably not the best candidate is someone who's just not comfortable with 
either the computer or his or her phone, or doesn't have uh, a friend or a family member who can help that person. You know, the truth is when we have our initial visit via telemedicine, if there is something that tells me or tells the healthcare provider that this person needs to be seen in person, either in the office or in the emergency department, we can absolutely let them know. So mm-hmm. there are going to be there are going to be cases where once we get the history, we say, okay, this person needs to be seen in person by someone. But I would argue, and again, this is I'm sure controversial, but I would argue that um, just about anybody could be seen and evaluated via telemedicine, and uh, and then we can take the the ball and, and run with it direction we need to. Right. Um, so if I'm someone who uh, is now, let's say I'm just basically being seen by you remotely. Um, what sort of changes or problems should I look for in my personal headache pattern, pain, etc., that would signal to me, hey, I actually need to go in and be seen for an exam? What, what sort of problems would be alarming enough to send me into the office? Yeah, I think that that Dr. Weitzel, a lot of these are going to kind of go back to, to what we discussed earlier about uh, reasons that maybe a person would even need to go to the emergency department. Right. So a fundamental change in the symptoms. So let's say, for example, a person does not have hemiplegic migraine and all of a sudden having weakness of one arm or one right. leg, and that's not the typical pattern, then then absolutely that person needs to be seen by uh, by, by someone and Again, if they called my office, I would say they need to go to the emergency room. So a fundamental change, again, the first headache of a person's life or the worst headache of a person's life. But again, uh, if someone calls my office and says that she's having the worst headache of her life, I'm not going to bring her into my office. I'm going to say, let's get to the emergency room where they can do the appropriate CAT scan that may need to be uh, to be conducted. So I think that really based on history will guide the patient in which direction he or she needs to go. But uh, again, it's sort of if that decision is whether or not to go to the emergency room or not, in my opinion, that's a good litmus whether or not telemedicine is appropriate. Okay. What percentage would you say um, of things that a person with chronic migraine needs can you not do via telemedicine? I'm just thinking, you know, those of us who need Botox or, or blocks or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what what percentage of these visits do you think you're actually having to have people come in? Yeah, and so that's a great question. I've joked with many patients. I said, you know, if I could, could train your husband or your partner <laughs> or your child to, to give you the Botox remotely, right. then we could just go all telemedicine right. completely. But in, in our office in the Chicago Headache Center, um, sort of at the height of the, the pandemic, I would say, um, fortunately, things are, are improving with uh, the increase in folks who are vaccinated. But at one time, we were about 95% telemedicine. So we had about 5% of our patients who were coming in for Botox injections. Right now, we're about 75% telemedicine, uh, about 25% in-person visits. But I will tell you, there are some patients who really do just appreciate being in the proximity of their healthcare providers. And I mean, that's a privilege. Right. I mean, right. when we when we go to medical school, we're, we're trained that sometimes just being in the person's presence can have a, a therapeutic value if you're you know, a really good provider. So right. um, I think one of our challenges is to try to carry that piece over to telemedicine. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, admittedly, that can be a little bit challenging. But I think with some extra effort on both the patient's part as well as the provider's part, um, we, we can get close to that. Okay. Um, 
My last question for you is if I'm someone who is about to have my first uh, visit, the, my first telemedicine remote visit, what should I prepare? What, is there anything I need to do uh, to, to get ready? Yeah, I, th- I think it's a, it's a great question. And, you know, one of, the, one of the great things about telemedicine is that you may not have to take you know, half day off work or an entire day off work. You may not have to drive two hours to get to the office uh, and spend that time parking. So I think a person could take those minutes and dedicate them to putting a list together. What is it important? One of the first things that I say to patients is, uh, and it's sometimes difficult for doctors to do, but I say, I'm going to just be quiet and you tell me what you think I need to know. Because if nothing else, when a patient finishes a visit, and certainly on telemedicine as well as in the office, we want them to feel heard and listened to. So I think, think about what do you want the healthcare provider to know about, not just your symptoms, but what are you going through? What is your life like because of this condition? And I think making that preparation can allow you to convey that to the doctor or the healthcare provider. But I also know that it can be sometimes intimidating to have a visit with the healthcare provider. And I mean, we've been getting to know and meet patients a lot of the times via telemedicine, which can be more difficult. So one of the tasks that I think I have is to try to put the patient at ease so that she or he can actually convey to me what's going on. Because right. I think all of us in medicine, we learned uh, hopefully a long time ago, if, if we're just quiet and we listen to the patient, chances are they're going to tell us what's going on. Right. All right. Well, is there anything else you would like to add to our topic today of telemedicine for the headache and migraine patient? Well, I, I think, uh, Dr. Weitzel, one thing to keep in mind is while this is a rather new phenomenon that we've embraced in this country, it's, it's actually not a new concept. Um, we know that back in the uh, 1800s, actually, it was, it was described uh, with the use of the telephone. I think it was late 1879 that with the use of the telephone, the idea of saving patients from unnecessary office visits is what mm-hmm. they deemed. And then back in the 1920s, there was actually a concept in Scientific and Invention magazine Mm -hmm. about the use of some kind of device to diagnose patients remotely, similar to what we're doing these days. So it's not really a new concept. And I think coupling that with, again, the idea that this pandemic has really caused us all to kind of rethink many aspects of our lives. And our healthcare uh, system is is one of those that I think can benefit from this reevaluation. And and certainly migraine care is is right in that uh, that ballpark. Right. And this brings up a question that I didn't ask yet. You are able to do this in your case, you're doing it in 20 different states. Are Are you able to prescribe for patients in a state that you're not in? Does that work in our country? Yeah, so it's an interesting question, and it's one that uh, over the last year or so, I've done quite a bit of research. And so during the COVID pandemic, there are a few states, but actually very few, that have waived the requirement that a doctor is licensed. So in those states where we offer telemedicine for the Headache Centers of America, I'm actually licensed in all of those states. So I've gone to the work to to get the license. So by the official letter of the the law and the state medical boards, uh, with very few exceptions, a doctor or healthcare provider needs to possess a license in that state, in the state where the patient is living. And uh, and that's something that not a lot of people know, but uh, it's a pretty important piece. Okay. Well, 
thank you so much for joining us and educating us on this topic today. It was awesome. And thank you so much to everyone who listened in. And please join us again next week for Heads Up, the weekly webcast and podcast of the National Headache Foundation.